Are you ready to live the all-in life? Then welcome to the All-In Podcast Show, sharing the defining moments of impact-driven entrepreneurs, industry pioneers, and transformative leaders as they showcase their defining moments and went all-in on their business and found true success. From the early steps in their journey to the moment they truly took their commitment to their life and business to another level, we'll give you the insight you need to go all-in on your dream life. Now here's your host, Daniel Giordano. Okay, welcome to the uh, All In Podcast show today. I have a special guest. Um, I am excited to hear his journey because there's a lot of similarities, I believe, and you know we haven't gotten into the meat. And you know I was trying to avoid actually asking the convers- asking the the questions that I'm about to ask because I'm really interested in in your journey here. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it. All right. So um, tell me a little bit about your background. I know you're living in an, a sunny part of the world, right? But you know where where did you grow up at? I uh, actually grew up in Iowa, so I'm a Midwest guy. Um, the least likely entrepreneur ever, pastor's kid, homeschooled, thought I was going to either do ministry or music or both or some some combination of those. Um, made uh, made a decision in my mid-20s to start a real estate team, and I had the impeccable timing of starting it in 2006. So <laughs> went through the roller coaster ride of that, decided that was a terrible idea. There was, uh, but there was a couple things that I liked about that. Uh, I realized I liked the marketing and the team building, and eventually that led to joining an agency about six years ago now. Uh, and that changed my life. I got back into the marketing space in the residential real estate side, made a lot of connections and just kind of set the path that I'm on. But I was definitely not that entrepreneur that had, you know, a flipping candy in high school or a lemonade stand when they were 10. I was, I was locked in a basement practicing a musical instrument uh, or doing something like that growing up. I had no intentions of going into business. Right. Okay. So, so I heard one thing there, the pastor's kid, and that kind of intrigued me, right? Okay. <laughs> so were you, were you a good pastor's kid or are you the known pastor's kid? That was the exact I was totally not the type. I had great, great parents and, uh, didn't have that really rebellious phase. Like my, my, here's the difference. So, and I think it fed into my entrepreneurial journey because my dad, when he was a pastor, he ran it almost like a solo business. So mm-hmm. my mom was the assistant. My grandparents were on the board. There was, there was no other staff. My dad went to work at six and got home at two thirty in the afternoon. So unlike most pastors where they're gone so much serving that they actually neglect their family and they come out with, with screwed up kids. My mm-hmm. parents took great care to do the exact opposite. So I grew up with a dad that was actually around more than most other dads that just worked regular full-time jobs. My dad was actually around more. So no, I didn't have that phase. I wasn't that, that kid at all. Okay. Uh, and that ended up being kind of like, that was my only entrepreneurial example. Uh, right. I didn't know anybody that went to college. I didn't know about anybody that had a business. That was literally the only example I had growing up was my dad starting a church and turning it into something that was successful enough to uh, to provide for the family. Okay, that's cool, right? Yeah. So always, you know, so no, uh, you know, it wasn't like a, a Billy Graham example, right? No, <laughs> no. no. Nor, nor was I preaching in the st- to uh, to empty stumps to practice. But, right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Okay. So. Um, so with, you know, you talked a little bit about the journey of venturing into the real estate, you know, and timing and then getting into, you know, your first venture. So what was your first venture that you started to have some success in? So it was when I left my, my agency that I had, I had risen up to like being in business development and the way that they wanted to do biz dev was to do Google Hangouts, like live webinars with mm-hmm. all their key influencers in the space. And so I made some, some really good connections, ended up going into almost like a partnership with one of them to help build his 
coaching consulting business, which is doing really well right now. One of the other ones pitched me on the idea of starting a podcast together. So we did, and that that's Real Estate Uncensored, which is still rolling and has like a million and a half downloads. And that, that was a, that's a, been a fun ride. But yeah, it was basically the, the first thing that I would say I started to really have success in was when I left and became like a consultant to people who are building coaching consulting companies. And I love that space. That That's my niche. And I know you know mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of folks in that space. Um, I, it took me a while to get to the point where I decided to go all in on mm-hmm. like just the agency that serves them. I dabbled around in a lot of other stuff. But the first thing that got success was I was able to go and be a partner uh, in helping build a coaching consulting company. And we ran a podcast to grow it. And that that really worked. That strategy worked. So that was the first thing that really took off for me. Okay. That's awesome. Right. So that, so, and that's your main, and is that still your focus today or where it is? So, so the detour that I got on and like my, my all in moment came about because I think I made a mistake. Well, I made the same mistake in business that I made in music. Right. So when I was a musician, I got into like four different bands and I looked at it as lottery tickets. The more lottery tickets you have, the better. (laughs) So when I got into business, I made the same mistake and I kept taking on new projects in the real estate space. And my idea of it was, oh, well, I'm focusing because I'm in this industry and I'm involved in so many different things that basically if you come into my world and you buy any of the things that I recommend, I make a cut off of that. That's what I thought was focus. And what I realized is that I was the one going to the meetings and because I was good at implementation and strategy and I was talking to a lot of people that were good at strategy. I would be the one walking away. We made all the, we did all the fun brainstorming bits. And then I would walk out of the room with a huge to-do list that was just not going to get done by the next meeting. I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. This is unsustainable. So the, the all in moment for me was when I, I said, look, I'm in four different businesses. Plus I have this agency and said so I could shed all the stuff where I have like partial ownerships and JVs and all this stuff. Um, that still left me with like a 50% partnership on the back of my main real estate podcast. And then I had my agency. I'm like, well, okay, well, where do I put my focus? Even if I get out of all that stuff, I'm like, well, at the end of the day, freedom is my number one value. And I want to be involved in something where I get hundred percent of the reward. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go all in on my own agency. And that was the best decision I'd ever made. Right. I'm outside of just kind of leaving my old agency and going on my own. Uh, since then, that was the, the decision that really changed everything, because now I really obsessively 100 percent focus on growing the agency. We sell one thing to one kind of person. So it's extremely focused. It's extremely mm-hmm. packaged and systematized. And then because it's extremely systematized, I was able to get, you know, good people, good systems together to where the agency takes me four hours a week to run. Right. So it, like all those downstream effects, all the good things that I have in my life and the way that I live my life now, which gives me the ability to now go play music and work on health stuff in my off hours, right? Because I don't work 60 hours a week. All of that, I can trace all the way back to that one all-in decision to get out of all the partnerships, out of all the stuff, and just go in on the one thing where I had 100% ownership. Right. That's, that's awesome. And I can relate, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm sure people listening to this, you know, have similar, you know, similar challenges, uh, you know, that they've faced being involved in many different projects and things like that. Like you always look at the, uh, you know, the Richard Branson's of the world and, and people like that, that are running all these different things, but you know, they're not running it themselves. Right. <laughs> so. No. No, his big thing is hire great people and then get out of their way. Like if you have the budget to hire great people, absolutely go copy his strategy. But I would also submit he is a, uh, shall we say a, it's a private, very tightly held company. 
mm-hmm. where their financials are not public. So if you read any of Richard Koch's books about the 80-20 principle, mm-hmm. and if you believe that's true, and I think Richard pointed this out in one of his books, he's like, if you actually dug into the financials of Richard Branson's empire, he said, I guarantee you, you'd find 1% of the companies make 50 to 80% of the profit. And right. I bet he's right about that. Yeah. Probably, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> slight, slight detour. I love those books, by the way. All of Richard yeah. Koch's stuff is amazing. Uh, and that, that's really affected how I see the world. So when I look at a Richard Branson, I think that's cool. But you apply the 80-20 principle and behind the scenes, he, how, more, how much more successful could he be if you focused on just the handful of the brands that really have a shot? And right. we'll never know. I mean, look at Elon Musk. He's got, um, that's basically what he's doing is he's only doing two or three things. And those are huge universe shifting potential things he's not also right. starting seven other brands under the tesla name and i think that sure. i think elon's got more of the right strategy yeah and uh you know i've been reading the book uh ironically called uh all in i don't know if you've yeah. read that one yet right and uh you know it kind of shares some of the obsessiveness of you know the elon musk of the world and and others like him right so yeah you know, yeah so you definitely have to be to get to that level that's for sure yeah <laughs> yeah so it definitely ain't happening just being blase about it right so <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so tell me a little bit about what do you believe is the, you know, the, the drive behind like why you do what you do? Because I think a lot of times, you know, people miss the mark on, on, you know, what excites them or what they're passionate about. We have, uh, you know, obviously there's the passion project type business where there's the, you know, the business that you kind of fall into. Right. So for you, what has that, you know, well, I was really fortunate to be around people that had, had made the mistake so to speak, of, of building a really successful professional service business that wasn't super fulfilling. And mm-hmm. then they turn around and realize, well, now I want to make an impact. So they end up starting a coaching consulting business. And that's where they typically run into people like you and me as we're helping those folks get to the world and get their message to the world. But I also was able to see behind the scenes of that and go, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do that same thing. I don't want to build this multi seven figure business that at the end of the day, I don't really feel like is really fulfilling. So I have to go off and do something else to get the fulfillment. I said, why not skip that and just go to the thing that is really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So that's why even within the agency, I could sell to a different market. I could go to bigger companies and make more per client. I decided this is my niche and this is where I want to work with emerging thought leaders because they're the ones that have life-changing content that if it gets into the right hands can make a really big impact and i want to be a part of that so i I kind of settled on that niche Uh, and one of the things that really clinched it for me was back a few years ago when i did have a broader range of clients i just asked myself one day and i don't know what prompted it but i asked myself the question if somebody dropped into san diego and just texted me out of the blue and said hey matt let's go grab a drink or a coffee who's the person i want to get that text from that's the person I should be working with. And if they don't fit that, if I ask myself that question, I can't honestly say that I'd, I would drop everything, and go, hell yes, let's go grab a drink. Then I shouldn't take them on as a client. And so ever since then, that's been one of my filters for taking on clients. Right. Perfect. Right. And I think a lot of times, especially in the industries that we're aware of, you know, a lot of times people are being sold into things, you know, uh, for the wrong reasons. Right. And then you're, you know, we've all experienced working with a client that's not pleasant to work with. Right. Um, no. you know, and <laughs> don't recommend doing that. Right. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a very, as a, like a fellow agency owner, we are, we are some of the worst at it. Yes. Right. And it's yeah. one of the most horrible things you can do. And we've all felt it. Um, it's, it's really about getting your filters in place and having the confidence that, and you know this about lead generation, like the more the more leads you have coming in, the better your pipeline is, the more confidently you can get specific about who you want to work with. Right. So, so many people have that that issue of, well, how do I turn this person away? 
they've got a check they want to write me right now. Like, how do I say no to that? And to me, it's really about having the confidence that there's always more ideal clients coming down the track. And if they're already in the pipeline, even better. But even if they're not, it's about having the faith that they will be there. That if you get really specific and clear on your messaging, which is what I talk about, especially working with a lot of introverted experts, we've got to be super, super clear and compelling in the idea of our business. And when we are, it really magnetically draws the right people. But if you're trying to appeal to too many different people, that's what dilutes your messaging down. So that's a, that's a lot of what I figured out from running podcasts and kind of being in that space where you're constantly interacting with the market, putting new marketing messages in front of these niche audiences is that the more niche, the better and the more, the, the stronger it attracts. And it also feed, it also helps with our fear that drives taking clients that aren't a good fit. So it all kind of, it, it's all, it all feeds back into itself. Right. Okay. So now that you've got this dialed in with the agency, right. And you have your, mm -hmm. your, uh, clarity around, you know, who you serve and, and all the things that we talk about, obviously being, you know, in the agency world, right. Mm -hmm. Um, have you, since you've gotten it dialed in, because obviously we know that you had the problem back in 2006 with the real estate industry where, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a given, right. Um, we all have challenges, but I think sometimes, you know, a lot of times as we talk to people, they think like, you know, they almost put you on a pedestal, like you've arrived. Right. Yeah. Um, but have there been any challenges that you've experienced that, you know, would you would consider maybe a setback or, you know, something that's been just really frustrating for you? Yeah, well, I mentioned the all-in moment. That was driven by frustration. It was driven mm -hmm. by the frustration of, of saying yes to too many things. Mm -hmm. uh, but, there, but there was an earlier point before that where, where I, was, I was working at my old agency and I was working directly for the CEO. And we started to work on some projects together. And, you know, he just, he, he asked me one time, he's like, where, where do you feel like you really add value here? And I had to stop and think about it. I'm like, man, you know, when we're working on things together, like you, you you're already better than I am at everything. Like, what do you mean? Mm. Where, like, where, where I add value is by being the person you throw stuff over your shoulder at while you keep mm. running forward and pushing, pushing the business forward. And that's fine. There's value in that. But here's, here's what I learned once I got out of that. So that was, that was a frustrating moment was trying to figure out where I fit in to somebody else's world. Mm. I didn't realize until I stepped out that part of the reason that for that friction was he and I had the same exact skill set. Right. The same, the, like it didn't dawn on me until a couple of years later when I looked at what, what does my business need from me? And I realized it only needed three things. I'm like, man, those are the same three things that he has. I realized that I was chafing under somebody else's environment. Like I needed to go out on my own to really even figure out what my true superpowers or my skill sets were. That's when they, that's when they unveiled themselves. Right. Um, like I, I, I'm a, I'm a systems guy. I'm an architect. And so is he. Right. I have mm -hmm. a very specific, you might call it apostolic approach to building a business as opposed to evangelistic. Um, and so same skill set. So I had to get out from that. That was a very frustrating moment in time, but it led to me going out on my own, starting my own thing, refining, refining, refining until I figured out what my superpowers were. And then I'm like, OK, great. Now I know what they are. Now let's get everything else in the business off my plate. Mm -hmm. And that was another one of those moments that, that changed everything. Right. That's perfect. Right. So for the person that's listening today, that's, you know, in this industry, right. That is out there impacting other people's lives and they're working through this and they're not, you know, where you, you or I have been right. In, in the sense of like, you've gained clarity, you've gotten clear on laser focus of what works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, what would be the, you know, 
top one thing or, you know, a couple things that you would recommend to them to say, like, you know, here's the first step of what you need to do, right? Well, I always say like the first step to becoming micro famous uh, is to decide who the right people are. And that's been really helpful for me too. So I kind of reverse engineered it. And that, that's why that concept ended up in the book. Just becoming famously influential to the right people. You got to know who the right people are. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there aren't quite sure who that is. They're looking for a product or service they can sell. And then the people are secondary. I went at it from the other side. I, I said, you know, I've got these different things that I'm involved in. Who do I want to work with? Who, if I stay in the same industry for the next 40 or 50 years, what would that industry be? And I said, well, that's thought leadership, coach, business coaches, consultants, those types of people. And once I decided that, that made a lot of the other decisions easier. And it means I know exactly where I want to become known. So I don't have to scatter my efforts around being on podcasts that are in different spaces, uh, you know, running Facebook ads to different types of people. Like there's, it just makes a lot of other things easier. I think a lot of people resist that decision for various reasons, but if you can come to that, if you, if, if you can make the decision that Peter Drucker did, like I'm going to write about management. And then my next book is going to be about management or John Maxwell with leadership. You know, if John Maxwell comes out with a book tomorrow, it's going to be about leadership or leaders or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. We know what it's going to be about. Right. Um, but that's also, that's the power. When you think of, well, who do I want to, I'm putting on an event. Who am I going to bring in to speak on leadership? It's like, well, it's John Maxwell and then it's everybody else. Right. Um, and, and we can do that at a smaller level wherever we're at. You know, I became known as the podcast guy in the real estate team space. I've launched almost every podcast in that space. Um, very small space, but it was the like it was the core foundation that got me started in business. And then I expanded from there. It was like it was like my foothold, it was my home base. Um, if we establish a home base first, it makes a lot of other things easier. And it all starts with deciding who are the right people. Right. Okay. That's good. You know, good stuff. A lot of meat there. We could probably go for days just on teaching that, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I took a long time to write the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, um, what's your, what's your life vision? My life vision. Yeah. That is a big question. Um, so I want to keep making making an impact through the business. The business feeds both the impact and the lifestyle that I want. Mm -hmm. The only thing I have really outside of that, cause I'm single and have no kids. I'll probably be that way forever. Um, <laughs> what what I want out of life is out like the other impact I want to make is is in music. You know, I spent five years chasing the dream as a pro musician. You know, I, I got into business and decided, well, my, my marketing talents are better used in business, but I still want to do music on the side. So I want to make music that has an impact on people uh, and use that spare time. But other than that, like my, the biggest thing in the business is I want to connect with people that have amazing life-changing content that if it gets into the hands of the right people, it literally can make a huge difference in the world. If I do that for the next 50 years, I'll be fine. Right. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Right. Uh, that's, that's some really powerful stuff when you're that crystal clear on, you know, where you're at, you know, and the impact you're having in the world and you're consistent with it. And you know, that it's just what drives you and what fuels you. Right. Well, it definitely helps. It you know, it makes, yeah. it makes decision-making day to day a lot easier. Um, right. yeah, I think it's, uh, it just, people have a hard time, uh, you know, with the, there's, a, I think there's a fantasy, let's put it that way, that we want to live in the fantasy that we're going to get all of these things done. Mm -hmm. that we can do all these different projects and we can have our hands in a lot of different pies. Right. And I think I just, I decided to give up. Like, I don't think for most people that ends up being a reality, right. you know, they're better served, you know, 
rather than pushing five different rocks up five different hills, just focus on one and, and right. actually get it up to the top, right? Where that's, you know, you come down the other side of the hill, that's where all the momentum is. You know, there's so many people spend all their time pushing five different rocks up the hill that they never get to the other side. Uh, right. So I just decided, I looked at that and I, lo- I had a lot of people in my life who were doing that. And I looked at that and I said, I'm, I'm going, I'm not going to do that. I had some examples of, of people in my life that were so laser focused and I saw the benefits and I saw the lifestyle that they lived. And I just had good role models where I picked that out and I said, that's what I want. And even if it's painful in the short term, I'm going to choose to focus on the one thing and make that as successful as I can. So it's definitely not an easy choice, um, but I was very fortunate to have some good role models that did make that choice. And I, and I saw the benefits in their lives. That's good. Right. And then, you know, you covered some of this a little bit, but I, I think maybe there's, you, you could probably even go deeper on this is when a client comes to you, right. And they're, you know, they're going through, say your onboarding process, right. Or okay. even in the, you know, the, uh, the initial call with them, uh, what are some of the common challenges and struggles that you see people facing in this industry? <laughs> it's, it's all clarity. Yeah. Clarity mm-hmm. is a superpower, uh, right. you know, cause really like to take, take the, the fact that we have to walk them through a process. I literally map out their entire belief system, mm-hmm. the, the way that they look at the world. I want to know their foundational beliefs. I want to know the beliefs that people need to agree with in order to buy from them. And mm-hmm. then through the process of refining and pitting those beliefs against each other and over the course of conversations in the first month that I work with them, I'll arrive at what I would call a clear and compelling idea. It's like the tip of the spear into the market. If the clients don't have clarity on what kind of impact they want to make and who the right people are for them, that process is extremely difficult and it ends up yielding five different types of ideas they could put into the world. It's like, well, that's, you know, yeah, you could, you can, you can try that and that's, you'll probably get overlooked and it just won't cut through the noise. I think people underestimate just how much noise there is online and how unbelievably clear and concise we've got to be to cut through it. And so that's, um, that's one of the best and most rewarding parts of working with clients is helping them arrive at that, working them through the belief system, getting them to narrow down, getting, getting them to, to really make hard choices till they have the clarity to produce an idea that's so clear and so compelling that it grabs their ideal people by the throat and says, you have to listen to this. Right. Perfect. I love that. You know, great. And, uh, I'm glad I came up with that question cause you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah so, um, well, awesome. So, uh, as we get to wind down here, like how do people find out more, more about you? Easiest place is getmicrofamous.com because you can get a free copy of the book there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you're if you kind of in this world of thought leaders like a lot of us run in, um, I make a special effort to make connections and strategic introductions by, behind the scenes. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that I play uh, mm-hmm. and I run everything through a little Trello board. I call it the relationship board. Um, and there's actually a way that you can get that board for free. So if you go to getmicrofamous.com slash intro, like introduction, um, you'll get the Trello board there that I actually use and you can start using it for yourself and generate like turn podcasting basically into more strategic introductions. Right. Perfect. I love it. Well, I thank you for taking the time to be here today and, uh, sharing your message with the world and the impact that you're having and, uh, you know, appreciate you being here. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Dan. We want to thank you for being all in with us on today's episode of the all in podcast show. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, as well as ways to connect to our guests, head to allinpodcast.com. That's available exclusively on allinpodcast.com.